I was just listening to Bill Nye. Remember him, Bill Nye, the science guy? He was talking about climate change and he said that if you're a person who loves worrying about things, you are living in very good times. And I remembered a few weeks ago, I came across a message that was being shared on WhatsApp about the end of the world. Did you know the world was supposed to end on September 23rd at 6 p.m.? I guess it didn't. But with massive forest fires and eclipses and hurricanes and earthquakes and mass shootings, you gotta wonder. Then I remembered another message that came through social media also telling us that Catholics should not worry about these things. They say that it's true. We are at the end of times, but we've been at the end of times for 2,000 years now. There's always been hurricanes and forest fires and earthquakes. There's always been violence, always, since Cain and Abel. Throughout history, at every age, people have been reading the signs of the times and predicting global catastrophe. And if you think about it, every day, for someone, it's the end of the world. But we should not worry. Worry is a form of fear, and scriptures are very clear that we should not be afraid. Jesus Christ came to set us free, and his love drives away all fear. We live in hope, not fear. That's the good news. Let's remember the words of St. Padre Pio. Pray, hope, and don't worry. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I'm Billy Chan. And it's our first show of the new season. This is season 10. Whoa. We've been doing this wow. show. Yes, it's the 10th year that we're doing this show. That's very exciting. And it's an opportunity for people to write to us, right? And yes. say congratulations on your 10th season, right? So tell us. Um, that you missed us over the summer and that you, <laughs> you like to listen to this program. I missed you, Pedro. I missed you guys. Yeah, I missed yeah. this time. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a very special time of the week for us here at Salt and Light for the Salt and Light Hour, uh, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Um, oh, and and a, and a special welcome. I know we did this at the end of, of the season in, in June, but welcome to all our new listeners in Anchorage, Alaska. Mm. KHRM 94.1 FM. That's Anchorage's Catholic. Catholic radio station has been airing our program. Uh, Try to say that three times uh, no, in can. a row. <laughs> Anchorage, Anchorage, KHRM Anchorage's Catholic Radio. There you go. If you're listening from Anchorage, write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Try to say Anchorage's Catholic Radio three times really fast. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the other thing I was going to say, which is we always say, is um, people sometimes they get in the car, they listen to, you know, 20 minutes of the show, mm -hmm. they catch, you know, they'll email me and say, hey, I was listening to part of the interview and who was that person and how do I, it's really easy, just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, all the programs are there, all the interviews are there, you can listen to um, all the shows that we've ever done, 350 shows are there. Um, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can listen to my conversation with Peter Kreeft or Marie Miller, Josh Blakesley, Joe Zambone, Leonardo De Filippis, all the great conversations from last season and all the shows we've ever done are there on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash 
radio. Now we continue with our regular format. Mm -hmm. We're back to our format. Oh, today. we have a format. Yeah, the format <laughs> is that we do this intro and then Emily has our news. Anything exciting in the news today? Not at all. No, yes, of course. <laughs> Always. Nothing happening in the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to talk about um, this past week in Rome, there was a, a World Congress on Child Dignity yes. in the Digital World. So yes. I'll just briefly talk about kind of the main, the main highlights from that. Um, the Canadian bishops also met, yes. uh, as they do every year. Always they exciting when the bishops meet. Always exciting, of yes. course. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots of drama. Um, so I'll talk about the CCCB plenary. And um, a cool thing that Salt and Light is involved in in preparation for the Synod on Youth, mm -hmm. Faith, and Vocational Discernment, which is happening next year. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm giving away all the punches. Yeah, you are, you are. That's <laughs> so it, don't say anymore. I'm not going to say anything more. people want to find out, they can stay tuned and yes. listen to you're the right, big news that right. Emily's going to give us about how to prepare for the synod that's coming up. Exactly. And then Mark Matthews, who's our Hollywood undercover missionary, he's going to come to talk to us about artificial intelligence. Wow. Mm. That's my topic. It is. It is. It is. Because <laughs> you're artificially intelligent? Because you're... <laughs> You are really uh, intelligent. Um, so you want to stay tuned for that conversation with Mark Matthews about about the upcoming robo-apocalypse of artificial wow. intelligence. That's right after Emily's news. And then, Church for Dummies, Billy, what's our question The today? question will be about Mary. About Mary. Yes. And, but and uh, statues. I'm not going to tell more because you... You, you, you told yeah, Emily you, to not say yeah, that much, Yeah, you don't want right? to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that's right. But uh, it's a really... I, I would say it's a really stupid question. But nobody it's a dummy question. It's a dummy question. Okay, I, yeah. There you go. Question, yeah. yeah, there you go. Praying to Mary, praying to statues. Okay, so um, I have a question for the two of you and for our listeners. Um, write to us if you have an answer. Do you ever get people asking you why you're Catholic or how can you still be Catholic if blah, blah, blah topic issue of the of the of the week. They, they won't ask it yeah. in that polite way. They will say, what? <laughs> what? You're, what? you're, you're Catholic? Catholic? Really? Yeah. So you actually have people asking you that question. Um, you know, it doesn't happen all that much. I feel maybe my yeah. friends are just very respectful. <laughs> <laughs> or um, all Catholic. Or yeah. all Catholic. <laughs> maybe all, yeah. Um, no, I've definitely had that question asked before. Like, well, why, why do you even believe why you, what you believe or why is yeah, it that you go to mass? Sexist. You know, why? There's yeah, no women exactly. priests. Why are you still yeah, Catholic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Billy? No, but yeah, people asking why you need to leave early in a Saturday event. Like, because I need oh, to go to Mars on Sunday, mass. right? You yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. things like that. Oh, I just okay. roll out of bed and go straight <laughs> to church. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> go straight from the party Sunday morning. Um, okay, so the reason I'm asking is because we're, we have this book here. Nobody mm -hmm. can see it because it's radio. But if you were watching, you'd see that there's a book called How Can You Still Be Catholic? It's very interesting. 50 Answers to a Good Question. There's 50 questions here by author theologian Christopher Sparks has put out this book um, how can you still be Catholic and we're going to be talking to Chris Sparks in our second half hour um, in about 25 minutes so not only I want people to stay tuned and listen to what Chris has to say about why he wrote the book and how mm -hmm. he answers some of these questions but I want people to write to us and tell us like yeah you're Catholic why are you Catholic? Because mm. uh, Billy, you pointed out very intelli artificially <laughs> intelligently yeah. that, that it's actually a different question. How can you still be Catholic or why are you Catholic? Mm -hmm. It's two different questions. Yeah. Basically, so, yeah. So answer whichever question you want. Why are you Catholic? 
why are you Catholic? Just because your parents were Catholic or because you actually believe what the church teaches? Um, yeah. I mean, do, do you want to say anything, Emily? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was brought up Catholic and um, but I don't I don't practice my faith because my parents um, do necessarily. Yeah. Actually, I was listening to a really interesting podcast um, yeah. by Father Mike Spitz. Yes. And he was talking about the competition. The, the competition, Father yeah. Mike Schmidt. But he, he he talked about an inherited faith versus an owned faith, yeah, right? Yeah. And is that at some point, yeah, you you're faced with that hard question of like, well, how yeah, how am exactly. I still Catholic or why am I still Catholic, right? Yeah. And um, I don't know. To me, like, I know that if I didn't have Jesus in my life, like, I I don't think I would be where I would be. Right. Um, and I think that my you know that relationship to God is actually what allows me to have the greatest freedom, um, and experience deep love and mercy and and know that I or know that I'm loved and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For for me, when you first asked me this question, I'm really asking my qui- myself this question because yeah. is is I, I think we should all answer this question every day. Uh, right. uh, you know, every day we are doing something related to to Catholic, related to our faith. But why we are doing this? Yeah. And and why I'm doing this every day? Right. This is. Uh, I can I say insane. I mean, you know, yeah. sometimes you know you you're forcing yourself to pray. Yeah, I'm forcing myself to pray sometime, and and I I don't know. Can yeah. I say that I don't? Yeah, know. no, that's a good. It's a good answer. So so I want people to stay tuned. In our second half hour, we're going to be speaking with Chris Christopher Sparks. He's the author of the book How Can You Still Be Catholic. That's in about 25 minutes, and then after that, you know how every time every week we feature. Uh, music and and sometimes we feature classical music on this mm-hmm. program and a lot of it comes thanks to the work of a wonderful group called De Montfort Music. Um, you can think of the albums from the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, or the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. They've all been featured on this program. Well, there's another great choir that we've featured on this program, the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School under the direction of John Robinson. And the boys have a new album dedicated to Our Lady, um, and because uh, it's October, month of the rosary. <laughs> rosary. <laughs> um, the album is titled Ave Maria. And so at the end of the program, we're going to be speaking with John Robinson, director of the choir, uh, about that new album. And so let's start with a song, a song from that album, a song from Mary. Here is the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School, directed by John Robinson with Bist du bei mir, that's German. It means If You Are With Me by Johann Sebastian Bach.
That was the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School, directed by John Robinson with Bist du Bermir, if you are with me, by Johann Sebastian Bach. And we're going to be speaking with John Robinson in our second half hour and in five minutes debunking the robo-apocalypse that's coming with uh, Mark Matthews. But first, here's Emily with our news. Yeah, so I was mentioning at the beginning of the show um, that right now, or not right now, I'm sorry, it ended yesterday. Yes. Um, in, in Rome, at the Pontifical Gregorian University, uh, there was a World Congress on Child Dignity in the G- Digital World. And so leaders from across across um, the globe, uh, there were um, you know NGO leaders, religious leaders, researchers, and experts who are basically, their, their goal this week was to come up with an action plan on how to fight abuse of minors online, cyberbullying, and harassment. Uh-huh. So this is an all-too-real reality, if I can yeah, say yeah, so. Yeah. Um, what I was, you know, when I was looking at, at what was going on this week and, and uh, finding out that um, there's, you know, the dark web, we call it. And on that, yeah. on that web, um, a lot of the internet traffic is actually... Um, driven primarily um, we think by child pornography and close to 80% Hmm. um, which is huge and and when we think that there's 3 billion internet users in the world well then a lot of these young people now of course are young people and children Uh, so so the Vatican organized this this uh, this Congress and um, again just showing that uh, they're um, they're at the forefront as well of this of this discussion which is very important Um, they had a papal audience as well on Friday Um, Pope Francis showed up um, always a nice surprise Uh, and the key one of the key speakers was Cardinal Pietro Perlin uh, the Secretary of State of the Vatican um, if you also want to know more about what happened this past week, because I just can't talk about everything here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we were able to cover um, a lot of that uh, Congress because we were Salt and Light was on the ground. We had a team there. I actually believe Salt and Light was the only media team covering the event. There you go. Yeah. So um, they brought back uh, special interviews that you can look, um, you can find them on our blog um, through our uh, Perspectives Daily show. Uh, So just go to saltandlighttv.org and um, and they're all going to be there. Yeah, nice. Thank you. Now, another uh, event that happened in Canada, uh, as I was mentioning, the CCCB plenary, Mm -hmm. their annual assembly. Um, So all the bishops of Canada gathered in Cornwall, Ontario and and as usual they they discuss a lot of uh, of their um, they they present reports on the work that they've done in certain committees during the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. For example uh, last December there was the creation of the uh, Notre Dame of Guadalupe Circle, Our Lady of Guadalupe Yes. Sorry, I totally mixed like the French and the English there. Our Lady Lady of Guadalupe Circle Um, and so they present reports on things like that and um and they received th- that week Cardinal Mark Ouellette, who um is uh the uh, prefect for the congregation for bishops yes. in Rome and so he came to give a talk on Amoris Laetitia which is the post exhortation by Pope Francis on the family and they also celebrated the 150th anniversary of Canada right. um, at the cathedral in Ottawa with a consecration of the country to the Immaculate Heart of Mary yeah, so that was a really a really big moment for them it was beautiful they had a mass mm-hmm. um, yeah and that's a, probably the most important thing that Canada has been consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary yeah exactly not the first time that it's happened no. um, but still 
still uh, yes, important. important. To do it. Yes, okay, exactly. Okay, and before you go, I want you to tell yeah. us about this thing that's happening. How are we preparing for the Senate? Quickly. Exactly. So we have a forum. We're going to be televising a forum with young adults from across the country. There's going to be satellite regions. Yes. And uh, we're going to be. Um, just having a conversation, we have a special guest coming in, mm -hmm. Cardinal Kevin Farrell, who's the prefect for the Dicastery of Lady, Family, and Life. Yes. I hope I'm not mixing yes, those yes, up. Yes, that's it. And uh, so he'll be there participating in our panel in order to just have a conversation with these young people on the major issues that they're facing in the uh, with their faith or in the church, um, asking questions mm -hmm. and giving answers. And so this is huge. So it's And it's only, it's going to be airing uh, at the end of the month, October 22nd. Yes. Uh, you can go to our website again because we have a website with a lot more information on this on how we're preparing for the synod and there's even like short videos um, of young adults already who have kind of like given their thoughts on right and on we're what inviting people to actually record their own videos and send them to us as exactly. well I believe so yeah. that's all that's all on our website saltandlighttv.org sorry to be rushing you Emily but uh, we need to move on um, but thank you thank You're you for welcome. that update um, that's Emily Callan our Salt and Light our news producer you can follow her at Emmy Callan Hi, I'm Mark Mallet, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with your great host, Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where we archive all our programs and all our interviews. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary... Mark Matthews. Hello, Mark. Pedro. Welcome, 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 my friend. Hope you had a good summer. Good to have you back. I had a fantastically restful summer. Very Pleasure good. to be here. Yes. So what what have you in store? What is good in Hollywood? Well, what is good in Hollywood? I, I have a little bit of debunking to do today. Okay. So, so a, co a common theme that we see a lot in sci-fi films is this idea of artificial intelligence-powered robots crushing all of humanity. Okay. Uh, and it makes for a really fun film. Yeah. I like watching them. This is movies like The Matrix, The Terminator, Transcendence, or Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Movies like that. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. <clears throat> So they, they revolve around this idea of something known as the singularity. Yes. And it's essentially this idea that what if AI, artificial intelligence, becomes smart enough to program another artificial intelligence smarter than itself, okay. then it could keep going on rewriting smarter and smarter artificial intelligence until it's like a super intelligent being orders of magnitude any smarter, smarter than any human, and then it would just could go on to basically outsmart us and kill us all. Yes, yes. And, and we've seen a lot in the media about this lately because you've got guys like Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking trying to warn people about it. So, yes. so you're probably wondering. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, yeah, are we going to, is this going to happen or is this robo, uh, robo apocalypse going to happen? Yeah, I say listen up because your life will depend on it. Uh huh. The way you're going to survive this coming robo apocalypse is that you're going to sit at home and watch TV and eat donuts and play Monopoly <laughs> and, and pray because it's not going to happen. You're just going to relax. Okay. <laughs> so okay. It, it really, it, yeah, AI is part of 
uh, my technological skill set that I okay. that I use at work. Uh, and one of my new hobbies is debunking AI hype. Okay. So something to remember is Elon Musk is a very good entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Hawking is an astrophysicist. Yes. And neither of them are computer scientists. And not many computer scientists that I know are really worried about this. So they don't know what they're talking so, about. Correct. So why is the singularity impossible? Okay. Uh, the best way to describe it is in a Latin phrase, nemo dat quod non habit, which means you cannot give what you do not have. Uh-huh. And so if we look at nature, um, you never see something like a rock give rise to a bacteria, or no. a bacteria give rise to an insect, or, or an ant give rise to a bird. Right. You can, we only ever see something giving rise to something equal to itself. Mm-hmm. You know, a rock gives rise to more rocks, bacteria to bacteria, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so if you want to be, like, strictly scientific about the idea of the singularity, we have never observed anything in nature giving rise to something greater than itself. Right. Um, now, we can, as man, we can create something that's physically stronger or faster than us, mm-hmm. but nobody's going to argue that a crane or a race car are more complex, intricate, or beautiful than a man. Um, it's very it's very tempting to think of intelligence as a single variable, you know, something like CPU speed. Okay. Um, but that that's not what the threat of the singularity hinges on. The uh-huh. threat comes from a truly super intelligent being greater than us in all respect. Okay, so just just so, hold on for a second in case people are not following. So you're saying that we could create something that is faster thinking, but not overall better in intelligence than a human being. Something like that's correct. what you mean, right? Yes. Yeah, because the way people describe the threat from the singularity, they say, well, think of an ant before a man. You know, there's no way that ant compares with the man. The, the, the man could just easily crush it on a whim. And so, you know, you kind of put that, you know, us before right. a super intelligent being, it could outsmart us. It could, you know, kill us on a whim if it wanted to. Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, and and then the other, you know, maybe objection to my argument is people say, oh, well, evolution, you know, uh-huh. there we see, you know, if eventually, you know, things give rise to something greater than itself. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of mm-hmm. say, okay, yeah, maybe, but there's two big problems there. One is that that took millions and millions and millions of years to happen. Yeah. Um, we don't have millions of years. And then also, we have absolutely no explanation, as in science has no explanation as in how for how to create the conditions for this kind of evolution. Okay. We don't know why evolution happened. Uh-huh. So what makes us think we can do the same with intelligence or right. AI? Right. right. So <clears throat> the one thing I will give Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking, though, um, is that we should be fearful in the face of a super intelligent being. It, sh- it should strike an immediately immediate fearful respect into your heart. You know, that same respect you know, that that insect would have before a man. And great Christian philosophers have considered this very thing uh, millennia ago, and essentially this is what Christians talk about when they say the fear of God. Mm -hmm. Um, God is an infinitely superintelligent being. So I'll be very clear, I'm not saying that a superintelligent AI would be God. Uh So I think it's very telling um, (laughs) that Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking you know, think, oh, as soon as they were face-to-face with a superintelligent being, you think it's going to immediately crush and kill you. 
Uh, and, and that kind of says a lot about, you know, who they are and their spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of say, look, well, well, if we created a super intelligent being, like, why wouldn't it just kind of, like, turn to us and say, you know, <laughs> God exists, you morons. Like, how can yeah. you be denying the existence of a creator? Right. You know, here, yeah, let me explain to you, you know, this. Right. So, uh, so it, it's really almost kind of a spiritual issue, I think, in a way, This whole their whole fear of the of the super intelligent AI. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you're right. If a super intelligent being existed, he would probably say, God exists, you moron. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the, the yeah, famous exactly. last words by Mark Matthews today debunking AI, not AI, but uh, the robo apocalypse that, that could take place. Um, um, I was gonna. You you made me want to ask you all these questions about Blade Runner and 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 because they're keeping all the plot and everything in, in in top secret. But I won't I won't take your time with that today. But I I'm very excited to see it this weekend. Yeah, so am I. I can't wait. So am I. So am I. Um, I'm waiting in line already. Believe it or not. Okay, Mark. Uh, what's good in Hollywood is that the Robo Apocalypse will only happen on a big screen near you, but <laughs> nowhere near <laughs> real life. Um, eat donuts and pray. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. What's Good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at H.U. Missionary. Hey, everybody. It's Marie Miller, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You want to contact us? Email radio at saltandlighttv.org or you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM, or you can try this really cool direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can just hit record and record. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Bala. Billy, you're <laughs> responsible for that voice recording thing on yes. our website. Yes. That I don't think anybody uses. So we, Nobody we using need it. To, we need to encourage people to go to our website, hit record, and if your computer has a microphone, you just have to talk. Just say anything. Just say anything, yeah. and, and we will listen to it. We might not play it on the air. But if it's really good, we'll play it on the air, especially if you have answers for Church for Dummies, like today's question, which yes. is a good question, right, Billy? You like it? Yeah, it's a very good question. So what is it? Yes, because, you know, it's October. October. And uh, it's the month of rosary. Oh, oh. Month, oh, Okay, yes. <laughs> I think month of Mary is May. Okay, yes. If so I remember rosa- correctly. Yes. Mary is the rosary. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So, you know, because of the month of rosary, yeah. and there's a lot of people going to pay a lot of respect to, to Mary. Yeah. So, uh, I don't I don't think it's only because of r- October, but, yeah. you know, people usually do this time, yes. all the time. So, a lot, you know, in the church, there's a, a lot of time there is a big, huge... Uh, statues of Mary, yes, and people uh, always go there. I think everyone does this, right? Yes. Uh, go there to to touch Mary, yes. to kiss, <coughs> okay, yes. and to to do something, okay, yes. just to pay respect. Yes, I would like to know what will be the best way, not only to Mary, but you know, for all the statues of saints, saint statues. Yes. So when I see them, what should I do? Uh, should I kneel down? What is this gesture? Or, you know, that is... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you're not going to like my answer because it's going to be, I think, the, the the answer I always give you, which is there's nothing that you have to do or that you <laughs> don't have to do. There's no right way to pray. 
You can pray on your knees. You can pray standing up. You can pray lying down. You can pray sitting down. You can pray walking. You can pray singing. You can pray talking. You can pray in your head. You can pray with another person, or you can pray by yourself. There's no okay. way to pray. You can okay. pray. You can pray prayers that you've memorized, like the Hail Mary, or you can pray off the top of your head and just talk. Okay. To, okay. So that's the first thing. There's mm-hmm. there's no one way to do it. There's no correct way to pray. Praying is communicating. It's relationship, right? But so everyone is is right. Everyone is right. Okay. I would even say that even touching is prayer. Oh. However, <laughs> the one thing that we do have to clarify is we when we pray when we say we pray to saints. We're we are asking for their intercession. We are yes. asking them to pray with us and to pray for us, and sometimes even to continue that prayer. You know how the scripture tells us to pray unceasingly. We should be praying all the time. Yes, but I can't pray all the time because I have to go to work and I have to cook and uh-huh. I have to eat. Right. So sometimes we'll tell the saints to continue praying for us so that oh. they continue that unceasing prayer for us. That's why when you light a candle, that the, the we believe or the, the idea is that the, the, the prayer continues while the candle is lit with the saint. The saint continues to pray so that I can go and make dinner or whatever. Oh. So that that is a one way of seeing how the the, uh, the saint so or Mary... So asking somebody to con- help you to pray, yeah, basically. to help us pray. That's what we're doing. And through their intercession, that's mm-hmm. what it means, mm-hmm. um, God can grant... Uh, whatever you're asking for, or you can just join the saints and, and worship, adore God with the saint. Uh, there's no one way to do it. If you want to touch the statue or kiss the statue, fine. that's venerating the mm-hmm. statue. You just want to look at the <laughs> statue because it's something to look at or look at a picture. That's fine. Just remember, we're not the, the, the saint is not really the focus of our prayer. God okay. is the focus of our prayer. That's good. So we are not paying to the saints. We pay to We God. pray to God with the with saints. The That's saints. probably the best way to look at it. Uh-huh. So there you go. If if anybody has any a better answer for Billy, you can uh, write to us or go to our website saltandlighttv.org/radio and hit record and just record your answer there, and uh, we will listen to it and maybe we'll even play it on the air. Thank you. Thank Billy. you. Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy Chan, a seasoned radio host, and he's also the webmaster here at Salt and Light. You can follow him at B Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, Why Are You Still Catholic? And we speak with John Robinson, director of the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I can't say for sure whether anyone has ever actually asked me why I am Catholic or how I can still be Catholic, but I do remember once receiving an email from a friend a long time ago, around the time when all the uh, church sex abuse scandals were surfacing, and he was asking me how uh, how I could be Catholic. Um, and that's the title of this book, published by Marion Press, by Christopher Sparks. In the book, he addresses 50 controversial questions, the Inquisition, the Crusades, homosexuality, procreation, women in the church, you name it, he addresses it. And today, um, Chris Sparks joins us uh, here to tell us all about it. Christopher, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks for having me. So um, is it as simple to say that you wrote the book because you were tired of people asking you these questions and you wanted to help people answer them? Or is there was there a deeper reason? 
Yeah, well, a lot of it was I had to answer it myself. Uh, my father's side of the family is Protestant, and mom's side's Catholic. Right. And they both agree on all of the really essential things, Jesus Christ is Lord, that sort of thing. But I thought that for the sake of my own you know, intellectual honesty, I really should come to a conclusion as to which one of them was right. So I started going into online apologetics a bit and thought that if I found the the hardest case by atheists or whoever against the church that and if the church had answers then I would find uh, the truth the quickest and the easiest way so I did that for a number of years and was involved in various uh, publications at my college and and after a while came to the conclusion that not only did the church have answers but they were astoundingly good answers so hold on so, a second so did you were you brought up catholic or you brought up kind of like christian and you were going to choose at some point whether you wanted to be catholic or not raised catholic we would go to yeah. church on sundays uh, Dad kept getting invited to join the knights of columbus because he was right. at mass more often than most of the catholic men yeah yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah. yeah we were we were um, we were church going um it was Mom was involved in religious ed and so forth, but still, uh, in some ways, a, a fairly secular upbringing. Right. Um, Dad was military, was Coast Guard, okay. Coast Guard helicopter pilot. Wow. And so we moved around a great deal. I have a fairly good sample of parish life in the U.S. Right. So then you're saying that a lot of these questions were actual real questions that you had, and you figured, if I can, you know, find an answer, because you were searching for the truth. Certainly things that I saw people raising on a regular basis. Um, the Crusades comes up a lot. Yeah, the question yeah. of Pius XII and the Church's role yes. during World War II comes up a lot. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, the, I don't know if I should wait till the end to ask you this question, but I want to ask you right now. So, uh, presumably, you're Catholic now. You're practicing mm-hmm. Catholic. You wrote the book, so I guess you found that the 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 you found decent answers to these questions that you had. Certainly, I came to the conclusion that the Church is. As she says she is, she is the body of Christ. Now, at the same time, that doesn't mean that she's pure and perfect here below. That means there's weeds and wheat, there's good fish and bad fish, that this is a field hospital for sinners, yeah. and some of the patients don't take their meds. Right, uh, <laughs> right. And, and some of the patients become, some of the doctors and nurses, the great saints, and some of the patients become a problem for their fellow patients. Right. But in some ways, that's entirely to be expected. And also, it makes no sense to leave a hospital just because there are sick people there. Right. That That's such a great image um, that you've taken that field hospital image and, 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 and <laughs> expanded it. I, I love that. Um, let's look at some of these questions, because I think that people, uh, uh, that's the whole point of the book, and people are listening because they want to know. Um, so I think is the first question you ask in the book. How can you still be Catholic when the church overall has so much dirty laundry? How would you answer that mm-hmm. question? Well, in some ways, it's the laundromat, so of course there's going to be dirty laundry. Right. Uh, it's hmm. it's 2,000 years of human nature and 2,000 years of history. Um, I, we would be hard-pressed to find any institution on the face of the earth that's lasted 50 years that doesn't have some sort of dirty laundry somewhere. So right. 2,000 years is, is an immense stretch of time. Uh-huh. There's also just our whole mission as a church is to go out and bring the sinners in. So yeah, it's full of sinners. That's its job. Uh, now, if we're not making any saints, that's a problem. But if you look at every century in the history of the Church, there's at least a couple great saints, outstanding examples of the holiness you'd expect to find but from people who are close to Jesus Christ. Right. And surrounding them, there's whole orders and movements that emerge, movements of renewal, movements of transformation, 
spiritual eruptions, things that change the world in ways that aren't strictly natural. So uh-huh. yeah, we do see the great sanctity right alongside that great sinfulness. So you would you would use similar image as the hospital and say that that there is dirty laundry, but it's being laundered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also yeah, clean and we're laundry. working on yeah. it. Yeah, and some people, some people never get better. Yeah. Some people get a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, some socks can't be cleaned them. anymore. You just have to throw them out. Um, um, I was going to ask you the, the next question the, about, you know, how can you be Catholic if you're a sinner? But I, in a way, you've answered that question already because you just said, you know, it's, 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 it's dirty laundry. Of course, it's a laundromat. It's a field hospital. Of course, there's sick people. So, of course, the church would be full of sinners because we're human beings, right? And there's that. There's also just, you know, I... I think a lot of people assume that if you're religious, you do it because you like it. You do it because it's comfortable, you do it because it's like-minded people, and everybody all gets along, and we all sing Kumbaya together, and we're, we all are self-satisfiedly holy. Right. We imagine it as an assembly of Pharisees in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the Catholic religion is incredibly honest. If you look at the Our Father, we confess our sin, and we ask for delivery from evil. If you look at the Hail Mary, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Yeah. So it's not as though we expect that, oh, I'm going to be perfect and there's nothing going to be to pray for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a sinner at the hour of my death, and I need you, blessed brother, you who are immaculate, to pray for me now and throughout my life. Mm-hmm. You look at the Mass. We start every Mass with the confession of sin. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. And some very evocative prayers about the depths of our sinfulness, my fault, my fault, my most grievous fault. Yes. Yeah. The Church is designed so that we are honest about this. It's it's sort of the great instrument of anti-hypocrisy, the rosary, the mass, all of this confession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, that's why we need a Savior, right? Otherwise, we Absolutely. wouldn't need salvation. Now, let's end with with. Uh, and this is not so much why you're still Catholic, but why are you like? Why do you even believe in God um, mm-hmm. when the world is so screwed up? It seems like God doesn't care. There's so many people in need of help. Um, why why do we belong to a church when there's so much suffering and it seems that God doesn't exist? Yeah, I think a lot of it's, first of all, the church is one of the greatest sources of practical assistance to people in the world. Yeah, uh, I true. believe I, I saw at one point the statistic that 25% of the care for AIDS victims mm-hmm. is done in Catholic hospitals, it's Catholic true. ministries, that sort of thing. Yeah, That's worldwide. So certainly, prayer leads to action. Prayer does not simply stay in a cloister. It does not simply remain in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. Prayer leads the Church to action. Now, some people are called only to prayer. Some people are called only to suffering because they're homebound or by vows or what have you. There's a place in the whole mystical body for that. There's also the apostolic orders. There's also the laity. There's also the people who are called to go forth and take part in Catholic Relief Services or Caritas Internationalis or any of the other many, many, many different Catholic ministries for providing practical help. So fundamentally, God is providing an answer to the suffering of the world, and we are it. Right. Uh, every time someone looks around and says, well, there's suffering there, why doesn't God do something about it? The answer is, you're probably part of that answer. Yeah, you absolutely, see it. absolutely. Either spreading the word about it, or helping out practically, or offering your suffering up for those who are either suffering or those who are trying to help. Um, we are we are the mystical body of Christ. We are meant to be making God present in the world again and again and again to the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Amen. So that's a lot of it. There's also just a lot of people forget original sin. The world is not meant to be this way. This was right. not the way it was designed to be. We broke it. Mm-hmm. It is not shattered beyond repair. It will. It is redeemed. It will be 
made new. Yeah. But this is a broken world. This is not what God had designed. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Chris, what what is your hope for this book? Who is this book for? I think anyone who asks that question, whether they be Catholic or not, uh, I think certainly a lot of Catholics have to confront these questions. They have to recommit to the faith. We live in such a secular world. We live in a very post-Christian milieu in a lot of ways, especially mm-hmm. in Canada and the United States and North America. Uh, it is a uniquely challenging time to be Catholic in a lot of ways. So I hope it helps. I also hope that at the very least, even if people aren't convinced, I hope that people at least take the time to look through a Catholic lens for a while and come to understand better how can people still be Catholic in this modern age. Yeah, absolutely. At the very least, understanding. I, I would really hope that we're able to clear away some of the myths and some of the misunderstandings that get in the way of all of us serving the truth as best we can. There you go. Good. Thank you. So it's a great book, um, great answers to some of these questions, as you just heard Christopher Sparks uh, giving you some some good answers there. I hope uh, people go and find the book. Christopher Sparks, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Chris Sparks has a BA in History and Philosophy from Gonzaga University. He has an MA in Theology from Franciscan University in Steubenville. He has written for Catholic Exchange, Lay Witness Magazine, and various publications by the Marian Fathers. You can read his blog at theturnofthetide.blogspot.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. His book, How Can You Still Be Catholic? 50 Answers to a Good Question, is published by Marian Press. Here now is our featured choir of the week, the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School with Ave Maria by Joseph Reinberger from their new album of the same name.
That was the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School with Ave Maria by Joseph Reinberger from their album Ave Maria. Now you may remember the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School from their album Christmas in Harvard Square. Now once again, De Montfort Music teamed up with Aim Higher Recordings and this time with Sony Classical in the recording of Ave Maria, an album dedicated to Our Lady. This is the choir's second international release. They topped the Billboard classical charts with Christmas in Harvard Square and have been featured on many television news programs and specials. And to tell us more about the choir, the school, and, of course, of the the new album, I'm joined by the choir master, John Robinson. John, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be with you. It is. It's funny. I I was thinking, uh, you know, John Robinson, the director, the conductor, but choir master sounds so much more... I think so too. I agree. Choir master. <laughs> when if I ever have to be a director of a choir, I'm a choir master. Um, um, so congratulations on the success of Christmas at Harvard Square, and and now on on this second album. Why did you decide to go uh, with with Marian theme? Well, I think coming from such a successful Christmas recording, um, it was a case of thinking about something which would touch people in a different way and which would speak to everybody in different right. kinds of ways and also just to be something that was useful throughout the whole year ah. that i mean sure this this recording does make for a good christmas present but it's it, it was released on the feast of our lady's birthday yes and i think just just um, made made theological sense as well just to be able to release a recording dedicated to our lady having having um, made a christmas recording right. and it also just gave us great great choices with regard to music that we were able to sing and the music that the boys here sing every day in the church and love singing um all that kind of music at least yeah i was going to ask you like a very rich theme yeah yeah i was going to ask about the repertoire because i'm sure that there are i mean mary has inspired so many uh, composers so much music there must be just this huge repertoire of of marian hymns or marian themed songs right Absolutely, there is. I mean, I suppose if you say Ave Maria, everybody thinks of Schubert. Yeah, Ave but Maria, there's, there are so hundreds. Popular, it's, there are hundreds, as you say, absolutely. I mean, you just have to have a brief look on um, CPDL on the internet and you'll see that there's just a vast range of, of Ave Marias alone, let alone all the Regina Tollies and all the other Marian music out there. Yeah, I know. And, I, um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say this Reinberger one is the first time I hear it, the Ave Maria. Now, I, now, now I'm, I'm going to be able to quote, well, have you heard the Ave Maria by Joseph Reinberger? <laughs> um, um, so how did, how did you, so there's, there's all this great music. How did you narrow it down? How did you pick the songs? That's one of the biggest challenges, actually, is, <laughs> is, to, is to narrow it down. Yeah. Um, and we, obviously, we listen to recordings that, of, of, other, of other choirs, and we look through all this great music, um, especially with this recording, we thought about things that perhaps hadn't been recorded as yeah, much. Yeah. So the Reinberg is a case in point because Joseph Reinberg is a composer who um, is not doesn't trip off the tongue in the same way no. that perhaps Schubert or, or Mozart might, um, but nonetheless is an absolutely truly great composer, um, especially of music for choirs, just absolutely glorious choral music. So we mm-hmm. wanted to make some of that music a little bit a little bit better known as well. Yeah. Now I was doing. I did a little bit of research. So the, at the beginning of the program, we we heard the Bach piece, the Beast du. I can't even pronounce it. Beast du Beimir, <laughs> the German. Yeah. Um, and and I was reading about it, and I was even questioning: Is this really about Mary? So tell us about that that piece. Absolutely. So the piece is just um, a piece which Bach wrote 
um, wrote out in his wife Anna Magdalena Bach's yeah. book. Um, and, and so it certainly has multiple possible meanings. It's certainly, uh, so it's text abide with me until, until the end, until I, until my death. Yeah. Um, could be taken romantically in, in the, in the context that it's written in his wife's piano book, but yeah. also clearly in the context of a Marian recording, there's a sense in which that then transfers onto our devotion to Our Lady and, and the, um, plea that she be with us as well to the end. So I think we wanted to include several things for that sort of reason that it may not immediately appear to be a Marian piece per se, but there's something fascinating about the work in the context which makes it become that sort of devotional piece. And also there's a great intrigue about that piece because, of course, it's, it's popularly now thought that Bach didn't actually write the tune. Yes, I saw that. The tune too. was written by a contemporary composer who no one's now heard of, Dolphus, who was not yes. a composer around at the time of Bach. And Bach, in typical fashion, just took this tune he heard on the street probably one day and then made something absolutely wonderful out of it by harmonizing it differently. Yeah, interesting. So that's another, another angle on that, the interest of each piece. Yeah. Now, how much of the process, uh, I guess, the, the, the picking the repertoire process, do you involve the actual uh, kids in the choir? Do, are they part, do they participate? Do you see which well, songs they, they like do, the best? Yeah, in a roundabout kind of way. So the choir would participate in so far as we would choose music that they sing well. Right. So in that they sort of vote with their voices. You know, if they, if they think something's a great piece, they'll sing it really well. Right. Um, and if they don't, they won't. So in that regard, you know, there's certainly a sense in which the choir is involved in the whole process of choosing repertoire. Mm -hmm. But also our um, producers, the, um, Monica Fitzgibbons, who's just got a great ear for yes. things that ought to be better known, um, and in her ministry of, of, of making wider, available, beautiful choral music, yeah. that's, uh, she's another very powerful voice in the whole process, so it's great to work with them. Right, yeah, so that's Monica Fitzgibbons from De, yeah. De Montfort Music. Um, and and what, tell us a little bit about the recording process. You're recording act in the actual chapel or the Church of St. Paul's, right? Exactly, yeah. So that's what that's right. So we, we, it's important to us to capture the actual acoustics the choir sings in every yeah. day because choirs sing differently based on what building they sing in. So, right. um, you think of the famous King's College Choir in England, and that choir really sings in a way that works in the building that they sing in. Um, and it's very much true of us as well that the way we sing is based on this beautiful, blooming acoustic that we have at St. Paul's that graces liturgies here every day. Um, and so recording was important to capture that. We were working with Christopher Alder, who has right. won, I think, 11 Grammy Awards mm -hmm. already, so a very, very senior record producer. Um, and seeing him working with the young boys was great because there's a real sense of experience and youth coming to play together there. Right, and what are the ages of the boys? The boys are from the fourth grade to actually up to the eighth grade. We had two boys whose voices survived through the eighth grade <laughs> on this recording, and that, that's right. quite rare that that's they will survive in good enough shape to be on a recording, but we had a very lucky lucky year at the end of last year when the recording was made. Um, and this year, again, looks very promising, actually, with a number of boys still singing treble in the eighth grade. That's great. And so do you, yeah. Do you, I mean, the boys are in school. Do you? Did you take, like, a whole couple days to do the recording, or did they record one song? Yeah, you did. That's right. So we took three days, um, because, it's, as you can imagine, there's a lot of equipment you yes. have to yes. put up to make a recording like this. Right. Microphones everywhere capturing ambient sound as well as the sound right where the choir is there. Mm -hmm. um, and so what was really a challenge for us in Harvard Square, as you probably know, it's right in the middle of the university. Yes. And so it's very busy, and, and evenings are particularly um, noisy with cars driving past the church all the time and with students coming and going and 
maybe even parties going on and things like yeah. that. So you really have to pick your time very carefully. So we record early afternoon to um, sort of mid to late afternoon is the window when the traffic is for some reason at its least yeah. voluminous there, and and you know and it's and it's just just quiet enough to be able to do it really yeah. well. Is there something about the fact that the I mean obviously some of the kids who might have been in 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 uh, Christmas at Harvard Square may not be in the choir anymore, and you might have some new kids. Is there um, something about that sort of transitioning or new newness? That brings definitely. I get yeah. In fact, in fact, there was one boy who was on both albums. Just oh one. yeah. Oh really? Um, and he he was uh, I think in the very beginning of well he was in fifth grade I think for Christmas in Harvard Square and he was one of the two who survived to eighth grade. Right. Um, for Ave Maria. So there's definitely a sense in which the choir is new. A lot of the time that we have new boys coming in and, and older boys leaving very quickly. It's a it's a very fast turnover. Really? Um, and so we always say to them that really the work that you do here singing in the choir is based on what's gone before you and it's very much your part of a living tradition that we have to be custodians of and that we have to look after and do our bit to make sure we pass it on in as good a condition as we found it. Yeah, no, I know. And I, I, I saw that you, you're celebrating 50 years, so that's 50 years of, of the choir. Um, we have a choir school here in Toronto. We There's also well-known the, the St. Michael's Choir oh, School. Right, so Michael's, yeah. so uh, for people who are just maybe learning about the school today, tell us briefly, we have about, <laughs> about 30 seconds, um, just about the school is it the school that's dedicated it's a choir school that's correct exactly yeah it's dedicated to liturgical singing so we sing at mass every day in the church okay and um on sundays we get a very big congregation comes um because the music is traditional music drawn from the history of the church and that doesn't mean no contemporary in that contemporary classical music in that tradition is sung as well but really it's that beautiful traditional music that's written for boys voices that we particularly um enjoy singing here Right. And um, the school is available to any any boy starting third or fourth grade. That age group is where we start to audition. Okay, great. So anybody can audition, and they it's an acad- of course they that's their an academic school as well. Not yeah, they don't exactly. they don't just sing. Um, so no. so that's uh, St. Paul's Choir School. Um, John, that's all the time we have. But thank you so much. Um, I know you. a lot of our listeners are gonna they appreciate this this uh, style of music, and and so thank you for doing the work that you do. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Ave Maria, the album, can be purchased online at stpaulschoirschool.us. That's the website of the school, stpaulschoirschool.us. And that's also where you can learn about the school. If you want to send your children there, if you're a child, you want to go, that's where you go. Um, Now, here are the boys of St. Paul's Choir School with a song of wisdom by Charles Villiers Stanford from their album, Ave Maria.
We're listening to the Boys of St. Paul's Choir School with Song of Wisdom from their new album, Ave Maria, and that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for saltandlighttv.org. And you can also find me through Facebook, uh, Deacon Pedro, or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And I'm on Twitter at Emmy Callen and Billy is at Bijo Chan. Next week, we will be joined by Mikey Needleman to talk about his new album, We Ask of You, and also Cardinal Farrell, president of the Dicastery of Lady, Life, and Family, will be in studio with us, so you don't want to miss that. No, you really don't. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. That's right. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been The, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.